Hello and welcome to the Pain Cave. My name is Jay Friedman. I am your host and I am very excited to be joined as always by my co-host and partner in crime, the Fulham Flyer, the Shawangunk Express. He is the Marianne Hogan to my Marianne Williamson. Phil Vondro, welcome back to the Pain Cave. It's good to be here. It's nice to be face to face in the cave together. I know. I'm, I'm very, very happy that your house is getting clean so that you need to come over and be here in person. It's the first time we've been in person for the show in quite a while. And we're super excited yep. to have an old friend of ours on the show who has all of a sudden somehow become one of the top runners to watch in the U.S. this year and uh, seems to only be getting better with age, which pisses us off to no end. And we're going to try and find out exactly well. how he is managing this right now. Chad Lassiter, welcome to the Pain Cave. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I, uh, I feel like I've made it now that I've, I've come on the Pain Cave. <laughs> yep. A lot of people thought that as well, and then it was all over for them. But uh, <laughs> That's right. This, go with that feeling for as long as you can. <laughs> there is a little bit of a Pain Cave jinx uh, with some of our guests, so we're going to hopefully avoid that with you. Chad, we're going to get into the incredible year that you just had and capped off with a, a really amazing performance at Desert Solstice and, and do a little bit of 20 questions. But before we do, Phil... What are we drinking? Tonight? I am drinking one of the mainstays of the British Empire. It's a, it's a cup of tea, a strong tea. Uh, it's Darjeeling, and it has one sugar in it and a little bit of oat milk. It's Ugh. absolutely delicious. I've been so, watching. I've been watching Ted Lasso, and oh, uh, I, so good that yeah, show. I uh, I share Ted Lasso's views on tea. Yeah, uh, tea is disgusting. I am going to open up a Wicked Weed Pernicious IPA. Uh, which nice. I, I am loving I the wicked weed we have here. Good. Chad, you got anything there? Or I guess it's, mor- it's morning still in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit early where I am. So I'm, I'm he's just getting back from the nightclub, so he's all right. Ooh, delicious. It's a little good. early for an IPA, yeah. but that's really good. Okay. Chad Lassiter, you and I and Phil go back to, I want to say Bandera 2016. Is that where we met for the first time? I believe that is correct. I was actually trying to remember uh, when we actually met, but I think it was Bandera 2016. And then multiple times after that, I, I believe. But yeah, you only met at the start line time. after that, though, because you were gone. <laughs> Jay and I, I think in 16, we managed to run with you for a couple of miles. And then after that, we were just in your dust. Well, tell us tell us a little <laughs> bit about your career, because I think, you know, uh, obviously, like I said, we've been we've been uh, we've known each other and run against each other for, for years now. But uh, I don't think your name is going to be necessarily super familiar to a lot of our listeners. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your athletic background and, and kind of what got you to this point in the sport. Sure. Um, I actually I grew up in Oklahoma, um, started running um, when I was 10, actually. So I've been been running a few years, um, did my first first 5k at age 10 and um, you know ran through high school um, didn't run competitively in college but just have always ran um, started doing marathons um, got bored with marathons as the, the story usually goes and uh, then started started running ultras um, did my first ultra in 2013 and at the time I was actually I was living overseas um, I was living in Abu Dhabi and um, um, since I was living over there, I had the opportunity to do a, a lot of uh, races, you know, in the Middle East, um, also in Europe. Um, and um, we lived, uh, we were overseas for about 11 years, um, from 2006 to 16. Moved back to the U.S. Um, where we landed in Texas in uh, the Houston area. And, um, you know, that's, that's where we are today. Um, but, um, yeah, my last 100 was actually my 25th race of a hundred miles or more. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So I've done, 
done it done a lot of races but like you say most people probably don't don't know me um you know i'm sort of a front of the middle of the pack guy um not anymore. Uh, yeah. Okay. So that, that kind of gets <laughs> us a little bit into what we were going to talk about, which is right. Yes. Like, like Phil and I, I think for the past decade or so, you've been a front of the middle of the pack guy, like, like a lot of us. And suddenly that is no longer the case. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we wanted to kind of dig into uh, how that, how that is, because this year you really, I think, took a step forward that none of us necessarily saw coming, winning the Grand Slam and placing quite highly in several of the Grand Slam races and then following it up with uh, really a, a, an astounding performance at Desert Solstice just a couple of weeks ago. So tell us a little bit about this year, your preparation going in and, you know, kind of the step forward that you took in your career. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll go back actually to the last year. I did the Grand Slam last year as well, 2021. Um, but uh, I did. So I did Old Dominion, Verm um, well, not Vermont, uh, Burning River. Leadville and Wasatch. So last year, as we all know, Vermont was canceled um, right. because of the pandemic. So they substituted Burning River for Vermont and it didn't really feel like the Grand Slam. So I kind of felt like I had to do it again. <laughs> um, and I was also injured uh, going into last year. So I didn't really perform as well as I would, I would liked. Um, so I decided to, to do the, the Grand Slam over in 2022. And uh, yeah, like you say, it went, it went pretty well. Um, um, you know, the first one I did was I didn't get into the Western, so I did the Old Dominion route, and Old Dominion went uh, went quite well. Um, wasn't ex you know I wasn't expecting to to win the race, but ended up coming first, um, which was uh, a, a huge surprise. But it was a lot of fun. Um, and then the Vermont uh, also went quite well. I came came fourth in Vermont. Um, and then probably the race that I'm, I'm actually happiest with was, was Leadville. Um, you know, living in, living in Houston, it's, it's difficult to train for, for mountain races. So, so, you know, being able to, to go into, to Leadville and race at altitude and do okay. Um, you know, I finished in 22 hours, which I was extremely happy yeah, with. That's good. Yeah. Um, fabulous. Yeah. And then rounded it out with, with Wasatch, which was kind of just, at the end of the of the Grand Slam, you just kind of survived the last race, and yeah. uh, you know I managed to get through that race in like twenty six hours. Yeah, um, which was still you know respectable. Yeah, well, and I think right. What, so what we're alluding to is um, yes, whereas four or five years ago or six years ago, when you know we would see you got when when Phil and I would see you at at Bandera or Brazos or what's the oh Rocky. You know, we'd see you pretty frequently at these Texas races and, you know, we'd run together for a while and, you know, you would usually beat us, but sometimes we would beat you and, you know, it would be at least a, a competitive kind of thing. And I think, you know, Phil and I are now at the point where if we step to the starting line of Old Dominion or Vermont, we would not be finishing in the top three to five. Uh, and yet you seem to be on this upward trajectory, even despite having run tons of races, put on a, a ton of miles, you've run uh, TDG and, and UTMB and all this other stuff. How do you attribute or what to what do you attribute this kind of later half of your career uh, surge right. in, in, in results? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure there's really a magic bullet. Oh, come um, on, Chad, yeah. give us give us something. <laughs> I can't give you all my secrets. You know? <laughs> uh, I think it just kind of boils down to consistency, really. Um, you know, I just Try and, you know, put in the work every day and, um, you know, just keep my training, training going. Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't put in a ton of miles. Um, you know, I'm getting up there, you know, I'm over 50 now, so I just try and do my best to stay healthy. Um, you know, there were times in my career where I was, you know, running a hundred miles a week or more and always felt like that was kind of, you know, teetering on injury. So, you know, now I'm, I'm kind of in the 60 to 70 mile a week range. I'm really just trying to, to keep it steady. Um, you know, I have a, I have a coach now that, um, uh, you know, I just kind of hand over the reins to him and do whatever, whatever he asks. And, uh, that seems to work, work pretty well for me. So we were actually going to ask you about that, uh, during the 20 questions portion, but we, oh, might, okay, as well, sorry about no, that. we might as well do it now. It's <laughs> fine. Who, who are you working with? Um, I actually, uh, Matt Urbanski is, is my coach. He's um, uh, based out of the Pacific Matt, Northwest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's kind of a, kind of a nomad actually. He, um, um, he was in Boulder, but now he's actually um, moving to Portugal. So oh, they, wow. they kind of nice. travel all over the place. He's got a coaching business um, and they just live wherever um, they feel like. But, That's uh, great. That's great. How yeah, long I have met, you been working with actually, him? Actually, I met Matt uh, the first time in UTMB. Um, you know, we just happened to be running together for a while, chatting. And um, then I ran into him again at Rocky. Um, I believe 2017, Matt came fourth overall. And then we ended up running together again at Bighorn and I believe it was 2018. So I just kept running into this guy <laughs> and uh, he seemed to do pretty well. So I decided to uh, take him on as my coach. So when was that? Good. When did you start working with him? Uh, it was 2019. I believe it was before I ran Pinhody. And what, what, if any changes did he make to your training or, or adjustments that kind of helped move you forward? Yeah, well, Matt is actually kind of a product. Of, he's coached by David Roach, um, so as as are we. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm kind of connected to that as well. So he he, you know, uses a lot of the same philosophies that that David does, and um, so a little more moderate um, mileage, strides, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A little strength work um, in there as well. Yep. Yep. It's worked really well. That's awesome. What among? I mean. Well, you know, I, I guess we'll get into that a little bit more in your in your in the twenty questions section. I do want to talk a little bit about Desert Solstice, which uh, just happened. I guess by the time folks hear this, it'll be probably two to three weeks ago. Uh, but we wanted to talk about that because that was, you know, even by the standards that you set in the last couple of years, that was, I think, a, a breakthrough performance for you. Had had you run a track twenty four hour or a, just a flat twenty four hour before? Because you're you're really more of you know despite being from flat land, you really gravitate more towards the big mountain races. Yeah, I really I I really enjoy the the mountain races more. Um, if I were smart, I would probably run more uh, flat races. <laughs> you know, or do stuff like Badwater. You know, since I live yeah. in the south and <laughs> you know, don't really have access to, to to mountains to train on, but. Uh, um, but no, um, I'd never done a track 24 hour. I had done a 24 hour race in Dubai, uh, several years ago. Oh, okay. That, that race really, I, I don't think that really counts. It was a, um, it was around a 500 meter loop and it was half sand, half concrete. Oh, so wow. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, didn't end up so well. Um, yeah. by 12 hours, my, my calves were just seizing up, you know, due to the sand. And, yeah. Uh, um, so that one really doesn't count, but uh, yeah. So Desert Solstice was really the first true twenty-four hour race that I had done. And what prompted you to to head over there? Um, I, you know, I had some. I'd watched some some friends race it the last few years. Um, actually, the Urbanski brothers, uh, uh, Matt and his brother Jeff, had done it last year, and then Jeff had done it 
the year before that. So just following them along, um, you know, I watched a lot of the live, live stream last year mm -hmm. and just really enjoyed following it. And it looked like a lot of fun, which you know, I found out that it, it's really not fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I ran uh, Brazos last year and managed to get a B qualifier, which, um, you know, in order to get into desert solstice, you need to either meet the A qualifier, which I think is under 14 hours for hundred miles for men and under 1610 is the B qualifier. So if you meet the B qualifier, you're not guaranteed an entry, but you can at least put your name in the hat. Cool. Um, so I, I threw my name in the hat and, um, I think I was actually the last person let into the race and I, I didn't find out that I was, I was actually in until about a month before the race. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean the last, pre you know, Jeff Browning was there. I'm sure he doesn't have a sub 14, you know, I mean, not that Jeff Browning needs anyone to burnish his credentials or anything, but he right. de definitely doesn't have a sub 14 hour hundred in him. But anyway, regardless. So, yeah, tell us about that day. Did you have a, a crew? How did it go? You know, what what was different about it? What was fun? What wasn't fun? Yeah, so I was um, I was there with uh, with three other guys that were also um, sort of on Matt's crew. So Matt Urbanski was running it. Jeff mm -hmm. was running it, and then also Andrew Skarka um, was running as well. Sure. So we were we were kind of all together. We were sharing uh, two two tents, and we had a couple of guys crewing us. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, the first miles or first hours of the race were a lot of fun. You know, we were just running and chatting and, and kind of enjoying the day. And, uh, you know, it was, I was, just, it was kind of surreal, you know, just being able to run with, with guys like Jeff Browning and Pete Kostelnik and, um, you know, Jake Jackson. Yeah. Just, I was able to chat with those guys and it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, I, I really didn't feel like I belonged, but uh, it was it was fun just to just to chat with them and you know share some stories. Um, I would say hi to Camille every time she she blew by and passed us. <laughs> yes, we quick speech. She was moving. Yeah, she was she was flying. Um, so so yeah, the you know the first four hours of the race just went went by really quickly, and then you just kind of see things unfold. The next four hours were went okay and then you know all of a sudden you're eight hours into the race and then um you know after about 12 hours you start to to really feel things and um then things start to get a little tough yeah and um you know by the time you know i was just thinking as i was running i just wanted to get to 100 miles and just see how things went from there mm -hmm. and i managed to i got in 100 miles that was like 1457 wow um so that was actually my fastest hundred miler. Yeah, by a good bit, right? Yeah, by a good bit. I, before <laughs> that was Rocky at fifteen twenty eight, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so, a little bit different conditions, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and but you know, at at fourteen fifty seven through a hundred, you're basically right on one fifty pace, and you were able to still maintain that pace without falling off. Tell us about those last kind of eight hours or so. Yeah. So, so once I hit a hundred miles, I, you know, I knew things were going to get interesting, you know, <laughs> then you're into the night yeah. and you know, you just, it's, uh, it's something else to just see everyone else's race unfold. You know, you, your own race you're dealing with that you're watching everyone else. And, you know, I knew that once people reached a hundred miler, 
you know, there was going to be a lot of people just drop off. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, Jeff Browning came through 100. He stopped. Um, Camille stopped. Bob stopped. Camille stopped. Bob stopped. A lot of a lot of people were just stopping after 100 miles, which right. I knew would happen because last year, I think, toward the end of the race, there were like six guys left running on the track. Yeah, right. But for us, I think there were about 10 of us that continued on and just kept grinding away. And, you know, I was just taking it hour by hour just to see how things went. Um, I knew that if I just stayed steady, I could at least get to 145 miles, which is, you know, that's the, the qualifier for, for worlds, right? The, the worlds. So that was kind of my goal just to get to 45 and anything over that was a bonus. And, you know, at one point during the race, um, I was running and, you know, I was talking with Matt and telling him I didn't feel great. And, uh, he said, look, you know, he said, just keep these numbers in your mind. You know, he said, if you, you know, 145 is the qualifier. He said, you know, if you get to 149, that's Harvey's current qualifier. You get to 152, um, that's Scott Trayer's qualifier. Right. And then, you know, 154 was the current American. Was the American 50 Right. Um, so I was just, you know, targeting those numbers and, um, you know, I managed to, to get just under 153 miles, which, uh, you know, far exceeded my expectations. Um, so I was just, you know, super, super happy with, with the day. Really. Yeah. So that puts you in a, a really interesting position in terms of qualification for the world's team. I think you're uh, number three on the qualifier list right now Yeah. Um, for six spots. Now, what that does for a lot of people sometimes is it forces them into almost a position of defending that spot. Uh, are you anticipating going to some of the bigger 24s this year? And like, I know last world championship cycle, we had people like Nick and, and that sort of thing. were going around and, and kind of racing a bunch of different 24s, just trying to keep an eye on other people who might be trying to knock them off and, and kind of, you know, have something to say about it if it looks like that mark is getting threatened. Now, I know the lottery gods smiled upon you and you're in for Western States this year. So I have to assume that's the priority in 2023. But do you anticipate other 24s leading into the world championships? No, that, you know, the qualifying window closes at the end of June. Um, right. So, you know, I would really have to do, um, you know, either D, probably D3 would be the one that I would have to do. But that is really close to Western. So, you know, like you said, you know, Western really is my priority um, for the early part of 23. Um, you know, if I, if I do happen to hang on to that spot, of course, you know, I'm going to put all of my effort into, you know, doing the best I can at Worlds. That would be sort of a dream come true. Um, but, you know, in addition to getting into Western States, I also got drawn second on the wait list for Hard Rock. Oh, wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the lottery guys were definitely smiling on me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It could be a really, really big year for me in 23, you know, if I yeah. do happen to hang on to the spot, you know, being able to do Western, Hard Rock, and go to Worlds um, would be just amazing. That would be wild. That would be crazy. So, Phil, I'm, I'm not quite understanding why we are all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, we are aging and Chad appears not to be aging. Do you have a question that is going to unlock this puzzle as to why we are not qualifying for Worlds or winning the Grand Slam. 
Um, I think it could be the fact that, uh, you know, we drink beer several times <laughs> a week. Gonna, like animals. Say, um, may, um, may, you know, you're having a noontime noon beer. <laughs> Probably not a great start. Um, you know, uh, and Chad, I mean, he only has 2,500-mile-plus races under his belt. We're a little way behind that, so... Maybe oh, so we maybe need, we just maybe, need more maybe, experience. Yeah. I mean, I've got nine. You've got, I think, eight or yeah, nine. Is that right? Yeah. So, and uh, so okay. maybe we need a little bit more. Once we get to 2,500 milers, we're going to get to like, oh, I guess like 20 is probably a good area for us. <laughs> so I think we're, you know, we're, we're like 10 or so hundred milers oh, behind. And you've got to cut out this midday beer habit with a Diet Coke. All right. Well, let me, let me finish this one then. <laughs> so this will be my last one. I promise. Yeah. I mean... I, not not to keep harping on this, Chad, but like to to all of a sudden be running under fifteen hours at it at age fifty, you know, splitting for a, a twenty four hour is is pretty mind boggling. I mean, again, not that you weren't an accomplished runner beforehand, but you you've really gone from a good regional runner, I think, to kind of a national class runner at age fifty or forty nine or whatever it is, which is you know not kind of normal. <laughs> I I don't really have a question. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's setting the new normal. You know, he's Maybe. Uh, he's like age, just a number. He's not worried. He's got all that experience. I mean, so just yeah, you're you're right. Your takeaway message is consistency, which I think, as a coach myself, and and I think uh, you know, an athlete, I think is the number one thing. Right? It's just putting in work over time at a moderate level and just letting those benefits accrue. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I mean, that's what I always, you know, when people ask me, um, you know, my colleagues and, um, you know, local people ask me that, that's usually the answer for me. You know, there is no, um, there's no magic bullet. You can't really get there in a hurry. You just kind of have to be patient and, uh, and let things happen. Damn it. All right. Be patient, Jay. <laughs> Being patient into, into my grave is what's happening. Here. You're not you're not 50 yet, Jay. So I've got a few years on you. So. I know that's what's that's what's pissing me off is that I I I don't see the trajectory of my career suddenly changing in the next few years. No, I, I can see you like when you're 70, really hitting your stride. <laughs> so that's what I'm waiting for. You're going to be down there on the boardwalk in Florida, banging out the miles with your stick, <laughs> and they're going to have you at Desert Solstice. 75 years old, 150 miles under his belt. Oh, my God. All right. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, so we spoke a little bit about, yes, fortune favors the bold, I guess. Next year uh, seems like it's going to be an incredible year. Where is Worlds if if that happens? Uh, it's in Taipei. Oh, wow. Yeah, so one place I've never been. So yeah, that that'd be, be cool. Amazing. Fabulous. Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Hopefully you'll hang on yeah, to that definitely. spot. I think... You know, I think you have a, a very good shot of hanging on to that spot. So, um, wow, what a year that would be. Should we get into some 20 questions? Let's do it. All right, go for it, Phil. All right, I will go in first. Um, all right, what's your favorite race? Ooh, that, that's a hard one. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with Tour de Jean. Right. I was hoping you were going to say that. Cause yeah, that tell, looks us about, tell us about TDG and why that's hard favorite. and fun. Yeah, uh, you know, there's not, you know, I have repeated a few races, but um, that's one race that I would definitely go back to. Right. Uh, you know, just the, it's one continuous loop um, yep. you know, around the Aosta Valley in Italy and just amazing. You know, the scenery you get to see just it's so many 
views. Um, and you get you quite know, a few hours to see that scenery as well, <laughs> oh, right? Plenty of hours, yeah. It, yeah. It a little over a hundred for me, which wow. uh, yeah, um, crazy. I mean, the, I've yeah, seen I've seen uh, there's some good like YouTube stuff out there. People that have done that race actually one of the YouTubes I saw, you were in it. Like the guy kind of, I think you kind of bumped into each other and like you, you ran for a bit together. That was actually really cool. Uh, but yeah, some of the some of the footage of the scenery from that race, I mean, it is the Aosta Valley, just absolutely stunning. Um, yeah. But just, it looks like something you're just like walking dead, sleepwalking kind of thing on it, you know? It looks it looks insanely hard. Yeah, that's one race where I, I definitely had uh, a lot of hallucinations. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'd love, love to go back. And actually, the, uh, the the new race that they put on the Tour de Glacier, um, right. that's one that is on my list. Is that so. a bit longer? That one's at 450K? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is. Wow. Yeah, that's, so that's it, the longer. 330K is not enough. Right. <laughs> right. Go back and get some more. Tour de Chance <laughs> is the JV race now, right? Wow. Exactly. Insane. <laughs> This may be the same answer. I don't know. What is your, what's the toughest race you've ever run? Yeah, well, I won't say TDG again. Um, I think that the toughest race that I've done was um, Dino de Fou, Ray de Reunion. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Also has one and of the best names in ultra running. Best I have to two say. names in the world. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, I, I did that race early in my career. I think that was in 2014, and that must have been my fifth 100 miler. And I went into it, you know, woefully unprepared. Um, that was the most technical race that I had done. Uh, you know, yeah. I'd done a few trail races before then, um, but nothing even compared to that. So I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. And, you know, that's one of those races where, where people die there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and after, you know, while doing that race, I could definitely see why. Yeah. Just, you I mean, know, it's, I've seen so some technical. stuff on that and it's like, it's, pretty crazy technical in some parts you know some of those up and downs and it can go from like freezing cold to like mega humid i mean it just basically throws everything at you exactly um, yeah yeah and they, you know i was living in the middle east when i when i did that race right and I, the heat was still that just crushed me it wow. was so hot so humid i got really dehydrated and um yeah yeah it's definitely on my bucket list, that race. But then when I hear stories like this, it kind of gets rubbed <laughs> off the bucket list. And then I forget about that. And I'm like, yeah, just put it back on the bucket list. And then you hear another horror story from it. Um, and like some of the aid stations, they have to drop stuff off by helicopters. There's no other way in or out of them. Uh, I don't yeah. think there's even roads to some of them. You know, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah, you should do it. All right. I, uh, I'll have to do it. Um, speed work or hills? got to do speed work. I would love to say hills, but... Um, you just don't have anywhere yeah. you are, so... <laughs> uh, no, no hills where I live. But you're so uh, good at hills and speed, actually. So, all right, cool. I'm going to call an audible, Phil, because uh, we already talked about uh, Chad's coach. I'm going to say, what's your favorite movie? All right, I'm going to go with Raising Arizona. Oh, that's a great, great choice. Oh, yeah, that's a movie that I, I could always watch. I was and, just talking uh, you know, about I love that the with, Coen brothers. with my daughter yeah. last night. I and, love um, the Coen brothers. But I think that was the um, probably the last good movie that Nicolas Cage was ever in. Uh, so. I like Leaving Las Vegas. That was good. Yeah, that's a rough one, though. Man. Oh, it's a tough rewatch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I, 
I will say National Treasure, I could watch that movie over and over. That's a good background, you know, I'm doing the dishes and watching that movie. But no, Raising Arizona, I mean, that's a that's a top five Coen Brothers movie. Uh, that, that's fabulous. Yeah, love it. All right. Uh, what's your go-to aid station food? Um, I'm going to say, well, I guess hot weather food would be watermelon. Mm-hmm. Good, always, good Always choice. a go-to. Yeah. Um, cold weather... I'm going to go with just some broth and, uh, and uh, ramen. A little ramen. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. That dug me out of a hole a few times at, at Desert Solstice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Some broth and some, some ramen is good. Or broth and mashed potatoes is good. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We talked a little bit about bucket list races. What race is on your bucket list? It might be Western States actually this year. Well, I've, I did Western in 2017. Oh, that's so. right. You've done it before. Yeah, okay. So I've done, done that one. Um, what a jackass he's done. He's going to do it yeah. twice. Well, he's done we 25 races. I mean, you know, he's done yeah. a lot of races. Yeah. <laughs> I'm liking you less and less as this goes on. Go right. on. Um, I'm going to say uh, PTL. Uh, PTL UTMB. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, the pay you got with Jay to do that. Um, I think that's sort of a long, slow race. And I have to find two other guys to, to do it with me as well. Yeah, it um, looks... Oh well, we're that very good at amazing. we're very good at going slowly. So maybe we're your teammates. <laughs> maybe when you get to fifty, Jay, we can. Uh, yeah. Go. Problem is, I'll be sixty. I then. was going to say we'll have a combined age of about two hundred. <laughs> All right. What's your worst DNF or epic race failure? <sighs> All right. Um, okay, I've had two DNFs, so I'll say that the worst one was probably Ronda Del Sims. Uh, in Andorra. Sure. That was 2015. So I was about 20K into the race and I fell and broke my hand. Um, but I didn't realize I'd broken my hand. Yeah. And I, I kept going and, you know, obviously my hand hurt. Um, but I got to about halfway in the race. There's an aid station at about 75K to the race. And I went to the doctor, uh, the medic, which I'd seen for the first time and wanted him to just tape up my hand. And, you know, he was looking at it and said, you know, your, your hand's broken. We need to pull you from the race. And so I proceeded to, you know, I was arguing with him about, you know, I wanted to stay in the race and I didn't really, I could run with a broken hand. (laughs) And the next thing I knew I was laying flat on my back in a, in a gurney. Oh really? Did you pass out? Passed out. I passed out when I was arguing with the doctor about. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Wow. (laughs) Oh shit! That's so that that ended my day. Right. I thought you were going to say, did the doctor punch you out, or you just? (laughs) (laughs) It's just how I get people that don't want to don't want to take a DNF because they got an injury. Fuck (laughs) this guy. (laughs) They were like a doctor stroke MMA fighter, just knocked you straight out in a gurney. (laughs) Wow. I'm sick of dealing with this asshole. Okay, so that's that's a definite like serious DNF situation. Yeah, that's a good one. That's pretty wild. That's a good one for sure. All right, what is your favorite beer? Um, all right, I'm gonna say uh, Heady Topper. Oh, Ooh, that's, that's a, a good, good choice. Yeah. That's yeah, a good so choice. I, I I found that when I I went to Vermont yeah. last year. Yeah, and we visited the Alchemist Brewery, and nice. I picked up some Heady Topper. And so, so that may have been one of that was. Probably one of the reasons that I did the uh, the Grand Slam again, just so I could go back <laughs> this year. That's and, a good enough reason. That more. really is. That's good. That is definitely good enough. Yep. That's a great beer. Yeah. yeah. I'd run 400s in a year for that, for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. 
Um, I mean, we did sort of touch on this before, but what's your typical weekly mileage? I average around 70 miles a week, okay. um, which is kind of my sweet spot. Yeah. Um, you know, as I get, you know, deep into training, I'll, I'll go up in the 80s, low 90s, but yeah. average is, is kind of 70 miles a week. Yeah. Are you taking off days in there? I mean, a lot of roach, you know, the, the, the roaches are big on one off day a week. I don't know if that. Yeah, well, I think you probably know what my off day is. Monday um, is, I'm sure. Monday. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. so, so, but even, even when you're peaking up at 85, 90 miles a week, still on six days of training? Yeah, six days. That's I'll, great. Always Monday off. That's great. So That's great. It really works well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, a, a 90 mile week in six days is kind of the equivalent of probably a 105 or so yeah. in, in, in real yeah. life. So that's awesome. Hot weather or cold weather? You would think I would say hot. I would. I That's what I would have said. <laughs> um, but I just, I really struggle racing in the hot weather. So I'm going to say cold. I, I, I perform better at cold. I hate it. But... Uh, that's I, I do better at cold weather. So. All right, let's get you up to the Arrowhead 135. Yeah, uh, not that cold. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. I've actually I've been working on my wife for years to move to to somewhere cold to Colorado or somewhere else, but I'm not winning that battle. Uh, right. That's a bummer. Who is your all-time favorite runner? I'm gonna have to go with the goat, uh, Killian. Yeah, yeah, um, has to be right. I mean, what a yeah, legend that guy. Um, I mean, he's, you know, obviously he's one of the best ultra mountain runners, um, you know, of all time, mm-hmm. but you know, he's also, he's such a great ambassador for the sport. Yeah. Um, totally. He truly, truly loves running yep. and he just, uh, just enjoys the whole process. And, yeah. you know, I, I love that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's a great mountaineer. He's great in schemo. I mean, it's just incredible. Like I feel that, you know, any of those things he could have been, I mean, he is world-class at them, but like, you know, I guess he's mostly well-known for his running, but he could have been, you know, incredibly well-known for all those other things, just the stuff he's done, you know, like summits of Everest and stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, he's uh, impressive. All right. What motivates you when things start to suck? I, I always try to think about, you know, what I'm going to feel like tomorrow or the next day. Mm. Um, you know, I just, you know, I'm, I'm not getting any older, so... I always, anytime I, I line up and, and run a race, I always want to give it my all because, you know, it could be my last opportunity to, to run that particular race. Um, so, so yeah. And, you know, I would also just think about, you know, it, the, the saying that, you know, it, it never always gets worse. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's, at some point it's going to turn around and then, you know, also whenever it's good, you know, at some point it's going to, it's going to get ugly again. Yeah. Uh, okay, if you could compete in any non-running sport in the Olympics, what would it be? All right, I'm going to go with with rowing. Oh, nice, um, good, yeah, good call. So, you know, yeah, fit- when I was in college, actually, I I was on the on the club crew. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I'm not a big guy, but I I, I rode in the in the lightweight four. Yep. And uh, yep. really love that. So yep. so yeah, I'd I'd love to to be in the Olympics in the. Excellent. You're speaking Phil's language. He so almost good, yeah. was in the Olympics for rowing. Yep, I was. Yeah. Uh, I was a rower as well. Um, but uh, it's a, it is a great sport, and you know, so many different boat types you can row in, and so many cool places to go and row. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah, probably have to join you on that one. as my answer as well if I ever make it onto this show. I thought, as it, a was, guest. I thought it was rhythmic gymnastics for you. <laughs> That's what I like watching. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> right, it's the outfits. If you were a cartoon character, who would you be? 
Ooh. Um, let's go with uh, Speeding Gonzales. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that question because it's always good to see who has that answer, like, right in the chamber, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, Pat, uh... Pat Regan, that took him three seconds. <laughs> yeah. You know, not even. Right. Uh, no, that's always good. Good. Okay. Uh, if you had to race dressed in a costume, what would it be? I'm going to go with Batman. That's oh, a nice Batman. one. That's yeah. that's not aerodynamic, though, because of the cape. That'll no, slow you down. But, you know, it's, it's not about that, right? It's no. just about... Uh, but he has a utility belt for your gels and water and stuff, so right. there are some benefits that's to true. it. That's and you're not going to get sunburnt with that mask on. No, that's good, right? Yeah, all right, good. What's the worst injury you've ever had? While running. Either way. Okay. Um, all right, I'll go with while running. And this is a really stupid injury. Um, I broke my scapula. Um, really? While I was running. Yeah, I was running on a road. And I stepped on a on a cat's eye reflector, yeah, and fell, and you know reached my arms arms out to to stop myself, and ended up somehow breaking my scapula. Wow, that's uh, usually yeah. a pretty high velocity or high energy, high impact injury. Scapulas don't break easy. Yeah, he's a fast runner. I remember that fast. <laughs> so, assure you that I had just started off. I think it was really early in the morning, and uh, yeah. Wow, just the you know, weird of all angle. All the times I've run on the trail, I ended up injuring myself on a road, you know, <laughs> stepping on a reflector. Yeah, so, I've, I've yeah. actually had some bad road injuries. They're dangerous. Yeah. They can just jump yeah. out right at you. Well, yeah. I mean, pavement doesn't bounce, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, which celebrity do you wish would follow you on Instagram? Um, I'll go with uh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, he's a good Texas guy. Texas celebrity, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Good, good, awesome. Um, what is the best concert you've ever seen or the most recent concert you've been to? Okay. Um, let's say uh, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, nice. Uh, I've seen him a bunch of times. Yeah, so that was actually, we were in, uh, we were living in Abu Dhabi at the time. And uh, so he came over there. And uh, just a, it was a great concert. Such a, such a good jam band. Yeah, and put on an awesome them. show for sure. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, um, what's your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> okay, so I'm not big into karaoke. Um, but if I had to do karaoke, um, I'm going to show my age here too. So um, You're in a I'm good group go here with, for being uh, old, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with uh, Cheap Trick, uh, I Want You to Want yes. Me. Yes, that's a good one. That's very good. All right. At least it's a song that I know, right? I, I can at least sing the words. Yeah. 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 That, that's, and that's, and that, that's the kind of, that's, that fits, I think, all the karaoke criteria, right? It's not too long. Yeah. Everyone can kind of sing along. There's no like long instrumental break or anything like that. It's pretty simple. That's, that's a good one. You, I mean, for karaoke, you want people to be psyched when they hear like the opening chords, right? You want them right. like you don't want them guessing. You want them to be into it like from the beginning. That that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to put that on my list actually to sing it <laughs> at our next karaoke party. Well, I think we need a karaoke night soon. Yeah, then. definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right, last question, Chad. Who plays you in the inevitable movie that, when they make it about your life? Oh God. Um, it could be Matthew McConaughey. It could. <laughs> it could be. We do have um, a slightly similar good. look. That would be good. <laughs> um, all right. Let's say uh, Steve Carell. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I'd like to say something like Matt Damon, but <laughs> yeah, I don't What's have the, the words. You can say anything, anything you want on this show. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, my my son um, is always asking. You know, I tell him I go to the office, and he said, "Well, you have people work for you, right? Are you like Michael at the office?" <laughs> Not really, but, that's... but yeah, kinda. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. Chad, this was really fun. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much. Good to see you. It's been been a while since we uh, we bumped into you. We used to be, I feel like it was sort of fairly regularly we'd see you at a race. <laughs> well, we used to go to Texas a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm coming out for Bandera, though. I'll be there if you're, if you're around. Excellent. I may, I may be. So, yeah, I was. Th- thanks for having me on, guys. It was great, great seeing you. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to bumping into you at a race. Yeah, that'd be soon. cool. Yeah. Well, I'll only be at the start line for sure this time. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll see you at we'll Bandera. sprint the first mile. Uh, I'm not going to make uh, – I don't think either of us are going to be at, at States this year just for nah. – you no, know, we don't know it. But, uh, yeah, good luck at States if we don't see you yeah. before then. And, and uh, hopefully we'll be cheering you on at the Worlds. That would be awesome. Yeah, and Hard Rock. Yeah. I mean, excited for your big year. I can't wait to, to follow along and, uh, and see how you do with all these, these races. It's great. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Chad. Thanks to everybody for listening, and until next time in the pain cave, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Broken down and beaten up, the years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead. Happy now just to spend some time with friends and have a roof above my head. I'm not jaded, just been faded. Like a good old pair of jeans Rusted like a proud old car That's drove a little too far And seen too much rain But long ago as a child I look about the night sky In wild wonderment Then ride the bus Feel upset to think of all The years I'd have to go through there I was still I'm still